the sounds of celebration outside the Supreme Court in 2015 after gay marriage was legalized. Even with the ongoing pandemic preventing a cheering crowd, yesterday's decision was no less monumental. The Supreme Court voting 6-3 to three to extend protections against discrimination to LGBTQ workers. Hello, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. It was a historic victory for the LGBTQ community and a major milestone for transgender Americans. No longer can workers be fired or discriminated against for being gay or trans. A moment in history not lost on Gerald Bostick, one of the plaintiffs in the case. I'm just proud to have taken a part and a role in getting us to this historic moment. There's still more work to be done, and we need to work harder to do better. To me, it symbolizes hope. And, and I am optimistic, continue to be optimistic moving forward. The unlikely author of the decision, Justice Neil Gorsuch, was joined by Chief Justice John Roberts bucking their fellow conservatives to extend these protections, an unexpected move for President Trump's first appointee to the high court. I'll speak with culture and politics writer Brandon Tensley on the larger impact of this decision in a few minutes. But first, joining me now to discuss more on the Supreme Court and this decision is Ariane DeVogue, who covers the court for us. Ariane, thanks so much for being here. Hi, David. We know the headline of the decision, and it is a very big headline. But can you explain some of the backstory on this particular case and what the ruling will truly mean for LGBTQ plus Americans uh, across the country? Well, I think in order to start with the backstory, you've got to start back in 2015, right? That Obergefell decision that cleared the way for same-sex marriage nationwide. That was when Justice Kennedy, right, he delivered that ringing victory for the LGBTQ community. But what's important to note here that this issue, this case that was decided yesterday about work bias, that has actually been in the works for years, much longer even than gay marriage. But this new opinion, the one we got yesterday, it's going to impact 7 million individuals. And it really goes to the core of how they're going to work and live in the future. Keep in mind, the case boiled down to three simple words, because of sex in that landmark civil rights law. And the question was, does it include claims of sexual orientation and gender identity? And in these two cases, one was brought by that transgender plaintiff, Amy Stevens. She worked as a funeral director. She decided that she wanted to transition. She wrote a heartfelt note to her colleagues and to her boss, and she was basically fired. And her boss wouldn't even use the proper pronouns uh, when he fired her. And the other case was brought by two gay men. And all these plaintiffs, David, they all lost their jobs and they said it was because of sex discrimination. And here, Justice Neil Gorsuch, he wrote that ringing endorsement. He ruled broadly in favor of both sets of plaintiffs. David, they could not have gotten a cleaner victory. No doubt. You mentioned the 1964 Civil Rights Act, this Title VII. You mentioned that language because of sex. And I'm just wondering how that fits in with previous civil rights rulings 
and the overall history of the civil rights movement. I mean, in other words, for the court to rule in this way, do we believe that those that voted in favor of this believed that when that law was written in 1964, that they were actually considering at that time that this would include uh, sexual orientation or gender identity? Well, you've hit on a key point that came up in both opinions yesterday, both in the majority opinion and the dissent. Keep in mind, Justice Samuel Alito, when he dissented yesterday, he said way back in 1964, when this law was passed, the congressman would have never dreamed that it would apply to transgender individuals and gays and lesbians. And of course, Justice Gorsuch, he said, well, that doesn't matter. Our task is to read the words on the page, and that's what he set out to do. But keep in mind, obviously, a lot has changed from 1964 when this law was passed, but a lot has also changed since 2015 in that Obergefell decision, because in that decision, remember, Chief Justice John Roberts was in the dissent, right? He read his dissent from the bench and he said, look, you can celebrate this decision if you want, but it is not found in the Constitution. And what's interesting about that, David, is of course, that sounds very much like Alito's dissent yesterday, where he said Congress never meant this to be interpreted this way. So we're looking here at this evolution and the court is really reacting. And you can see that a lot with Chief Justice John Roberts. I also just want to talk about the 6-3 coalition here, right? It's always fascinating, Ariane, to talk to you about uh, how the justices form with themselves, how a majority comes into place. Maybe very careful observers of Neil Gorsuch's past might not be as surprised as maybe the broader public is that this uh, Trump appointee sided with the majority here, wrote the opinion. But how did Gorsuch become sort of this person— to be praised by all these folks on the left yesterday with this ruling, all these advocates and activists in the gay rights movement. What's interesting about this case is actually it's all about Justice Antonin Scalia, right? The conservative lion. Uh, and that's whose seat that uh, Neil Gorsuch took. And for years, Justice Scalia said to judges across the country, this was his mantra, he wanted to change the way judges interpreted laws, the way they looked at it. And Justice Scalia would say, you have got to start with the words on the page. You can't look at Congress's intent, what they may have done, what they may have been thinking about doing. And so what Gorsuch did yesterday, what he said is, I am following Justice Scalia here. I'm looking exactly at the words on the page. This law bans workplace discrimination because of sex, and that has to include sexual orientation and gender identity. So for Neil Gorsuch, he felt like he was staying with his conservative judicial philosophy. It's called textualism. And he felt like he was following in the footsteps of Justice Scalia. But what was interesting is in dissent, Justice Alito, joined by um, Justice Clarence Thomas, who of course was so close to Scalia, and they said to Gorsuch that he had gotten it absolutely wrong. So it was a very interesting exploration yesterday of Justice Scalia, of course, who's no longer with us. And to illustrate that, Justice Scalia's name was mentioned 21 times in all the opinions. So that's kind of the backstory of that decision. So interesting. And, you know, I, I've seen critics on the right, conservative critics of Gorsuch's opinion here, saying that he actually perverted textualism in this way, whereas he sees this ruling as a complete defense 
of textualism. So that legal worldview, I guess, that approach to jurisprudence is all in the eye of the beholder and and not some uh, understood definition exactly what it means to all people. What's interesting, David, is just before this term began, I sat down for an interview with Justice Gorsuch. And I was asking him broadly about the cases that were going to come in the term, including this case. And I said to him, look, most people are fearful that the court is going to move to the right on this issue. And by most people, I meant the liberals. Obviously, the conservatives were thrilled with his nomination. And it was very interesting. Listen how he answered my question, because in retrospect, it shows his thinking a little bit. I think all a judge can do is fulfill his or her oath as best they can. And that means deciding each case as carefully as they can with listening to their colleagues and as independently as they can muster. Putting all the other stuff aside, right? Politics, your personal points of view, you leave that over there. You have nine very independent people approaching these cases as best they can. That's a rare glimpse into his thinking. And obviously he doesn't show his hand at all, but he totally rejects this notion of, oh, judges move to the right or to the left or the court was going to take a hard right turn. He just was explaining there that he's gonna look at this case that's before him and he was gonna do the best he could. I want you to hear, Ariane, how President Trump reacted to the ruling yesterday. No, they've ruled. Uh, I've read the decision, and some people were surprised, but uh, they've ruled, and we live with their decision. That's what it's all about. We live with the decision of the Supreme Court. Very powerful, a very powerful decision, actually. Uh, but uh, they have so ruled. Very powerful, very powerful decision. Uh, this is, of course, a decision that the Trump administration was arguing against. I mean, this is not the outcome uh, that the administration was seeking. Uh, This included, of course, one of his own appointees to the Supreme Court, which, as you know, is the thing, the thing that keeps so many sort of establishment Republicans in line with President Trump. They hate the tweeting. They hate uh, a lot of his antics, but it's the judges and the Supreme Court. Here's one of his appointees going against what the administration uh, had wanted here. Would you say that yesterday was a a bad day for the Trump administration at the court? I can say that that was not the outcome uh, that President Trump or his solicitor general expected from Neil Gorsuch. Because keep in mind, uh, you mentioned it during the campaign, President Trump and groups like the Federalist Society, he put out a list of his potential Supreme Court nominees even before he became president, right? That was unprecedented. And that's because uh, many conservatives, many Republicans were horrified after Justice Souter was put on the bench by a Republican and ended up being a consistent liberal vote. And so they vetted Gorsuch like crazy. They worked through all his opinions. They saw how he had praised Scalia, how he was a textualist. Um, Just goes to show that all that vetting didn't help them, their in this particular case, they did not expect uh, Gorsuch to rule that way. No, they did not. Uh, Ariane DeVoke, thank you so much as always for bringing us inside the court. It's makeup, it's thinking behind these decisions. It's so hugely consequential uh, to the entire country. And I greatly appreciate your insights and reporting. Mm, Glad to be here, David. We'll be back with culture and politics writer Brandon Tensley in a moment.
And we're back with culture and politics writer Brandon Tensley. Brandon, this is clearly a momentous decision we've been speaking about uh, from the Supreme Court. It comes actually after the Trump administration made a move taking away other discrimination protections for transgender Americans. Actually, the administration did so on the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So last Friday, the Trump administration uh, released a set of guidelines uh, essentially dictating that discrimination against uh, LGBTQ people in healthcare is not forbidden. This was, to me, already ghoulish on its face, uh, but it was even more disturbing, I think, in light of the fact that it occurred on the four-year anniversary of the Pulse gay nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, where 49 people were killed. And so that is galling, not purely because of the message, but also because of the, the timing of that message. Um, it's, it's essentially pouring salt into the wound, I think. And from what I have heard from some uh, gay rights advocates, though yesterday's ruling was this landmark decision and something that the sort of gay rights movement has been fighting against workplace discrimination, that's been a truly decades-long hallmark of the movement, and yet it's what you're describing that the Trump administration was doing last week uh, on this rollback as exactly why a lot of them say this is not the end of the gay civil rights movement. Exactly. It's it's something that shows you that as much as, not even we like to think that's how far society has come, but as you know, society is proving how far it's come, um, at the same time, there are clearly... Uh, people and institutions that are looking to chip away in any way, shape, or form uh, the rights that have been gained, like you said, through decades and decades of uh, gay rights activism. Um, And so on the one hand, it is this huge, it's a sort of whiplash. Um, You know, Friday, a lot of uh, LGBTQ people were just demoralized when uh, these guidelines came out. Um, And then to have this decision on Monday, it is really huge, but it also sort of puts it into perspective about staying vigilant, essentially. And not just uh, any decision, but a decision that President Trump's initial appointee to the Supreme Court is the one that wrote the majority opinion. What did you make of that? Yeah, I I thought it was really powerful. I know that uh, a lot of people, myself included, (laughs) you know, had our doubts that uh, Neil Gorsuch would be the person to make that decision. You know, the Trump administration has spent years creating a variety of ways uh, to really roll back hard-won LGBTQ rights. Uh, and it's been doing this in public life, in healthcare, in employment, in education. And so then to have Trump's own appointee be the one to write the decision that uh, basically outlawed anti-LGBTQ workplace discrimination, I think is pretty jaw-dropping. And it showed, I think, true integrity, uh, especially when you think about the controversy surrounding his appointment. Uh, so, you know, on the one hand, it's I, I definitely think you have to give props where props are due. Um, but it's also a matter of, you know, not ripping anything from its historical context, even recent historical context. We saw Joe Biden uh, come out instantly as soon as the court handed down the opinion with a strong statement praising uh, the ruling. Do you expect gay rights, transgender rights, maybe even this specific court decision after you heard what President Trump said about it, to be a flashpoint in the 2020 race overall? Do you see this LGBTQ rights as a culture war that these two candidates are going to put front and center this year? That's a good question. Um, on, you know, on the one hand, I think, you know, Trump's response yesterday, you know, it was a very sort of tremulous uh, sort of response to the SCOTUS decision. Uh, so it almost shows that he 
once it, he already did the work of putting out how he feels, how he has, how his administration feels um, about this when it uh, put out those guidelines last week. Um, and so now it's almost a sort of like a broadcast to his base that, you know, you know where we stand. Um, this is where the rest of the country stands. And so I'll be curious to see how this plays out um, in Trump's own campaigning. I think with Biden, I truly believe that it'd be wise for him to, um, you know, make a point of this as he continues on the campaign trail. You know, Biden has tended to be on the right side of these things. You know, he was ahead of Obama when it came to supporting same-sex marriage. Um, He also said several years ago that trans issues are the civil rights issues of our time. Uh, So there's, I think, a clear, meaningful way for him to fit himself into this historical moment in a positive way, and especially to uh, juxtapose himself with, uh, you know, the Trump administration just a few days before this historic ruling came down. Uh, Finally, Brandon, you write at the intersection of culture and politics for CNN.com. For anyone who hasn't read your stuff, I urge them to go check it out. All of this is happening uh, during Pride Month. You know, in 2015, when the gay marriage decision came down, uh, you saw people pouring out into the streets from the LGBTQ community and its allies in praise of that. Do you see this as a a moment that's going to match that inside the LGBTQ rights movement? I really hope so. Uh, I was uh, talking to a few friends yesterday and, uh, you know, they're they're older than I am. Um, and I think the thing that was so affirming uh, having these conversations with other LGBTQ people has been that people have seemed to elevate this decision and to celebrate and embrace this decision to the same extent uh, that they did uh, the 2015 same-sex marriage uh, court ruling. Um, and so I, I really do hope that people uh, see this moment for what it is. It is truly historic. Um, I also think that it's what's interesting to me is that it brings a degree of visibility and uh, legibility to queer and transgender issues in a way that really hasn't happened before. Um, I think it tracks with this growing sort of national conversation that we're seeing in treating LGBTQ issues and treating transness in particular, as opposed to just talking about things in terms of gayness um, as matters not defined purely by, you know, love or, you know, privacy or what you do in your own home. This decision is really about sort of outness. It's about what it means to be an LGBTQ person um, at work in public. Um, And so, like you mentioned, there's also the symbolism of the whole thing. And I think so much of queerness has historically been about symbolism and icons and finding attachments in a culture that ignores you. Um, And so it also feels fitting that this is all happening during Pride Month. Brandon Tensley, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.